Welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after KU got its first true road win of the season. A 73-68 win over Baylor in Waco. And there is no reason why this game should have been this close. KU played really well for the first, I'd say, 36 minutes of the game. They dominated. I thought going down the stretch, you know, KU is going to be able to pull away, let some bench guys get some minutes, build some confidence going into the rest of conference play, and really try and flush that Iowa State drubbing out of their head with a drubbing of their own of Baylor. But no, down the stretch, KU really struggled. I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. But down the stretch, KU really, for lack of a better word, they looked like they were running around with the chicken with their head cut off. It was just ugly to watch. So to give you an idea of what we're going to do today, we're going to start off just breaking down the game as a whole. I'm going to get rid of a lot of the criticisms that I had of KU because a lot of that did come in the final six minutes of the second half, because I think there's a lot of good here today. So we'll start off breaking down the entire game, You know what led to KU getting out in front, what led to KU letting Baylor back into the game, and then we'll run through our player of the game, who stood out, and then who didn't stand out, to me at least. And then we'll finish with a little bit talking about KU's performance and going forward what this means so starting off KU really did get off to a great start to the game they held Baylor scoreless after they made their first two free throws they held them without a field goal for the next 10 minutes of the game Baylor didn't get their first field goal until the 934 mark of the first half in that time they were 0 of 15 from the field And also in that time, KU blocked six shots. And I think that that's interesting that KU was able to block those six shots early on because KU's season high in block shots was the first game of the season against Michigan State where they blocked seven. And for them to get six in the first 10 minutes of the game, I thought really showed you just how aggressive KU was on the defensive end. They had a nose for the ball. I thought they really just swarmed Baylor. And KU has struggled to stop teams at times this year. I mean, you saw it a little bit against Villanova, and you've seen it a couple other times. I mean, Iowa State's a really good example for the last road game that KU just couldn't stop them. So I thought that that was a really good start for KU and a really good first half for KU. I'd honestly say probably the best team half KU's played on the road this season. And at halftime, KU was up 35-25. to 25. They had held Baylor to 32% from the field, 9 of 28 shooting. And KU themselves shot the ball really well, which is a miracle saying that. They went 13 of 26 from the field, 5 of 10 from 3. And just in general, their offense looked really good. Baylor was trying to throw different, you know, they would throw a zone a little bit at them and then a little bit more of man than zone. But I thought that KU did a really good job of just adjusting and seeing what Baylor threw at them at the start of possessions. And then from there, going into their set plays or their offense to get really good looks from there. But in the second half, for the majority of the second half, KU kind of just cruised. They had a really big lead. 
you know, they had, we were by, I think, 23 at some point. And KU looked like they were just going to go off and have really nice, solid road win, you know, not have to sweat this one out. But no, at the 608 mark, that was the last time KU made a field goal and they were up 64 to 41. And in the final 608, they didn't even make a field goal. Additionally, KU was up by 18, 69 to 51, with about three minutes and 30 seconds left. Bill Self took out Diedrich Lawson, took out LeGerald Vick, if I'm remembering correctly, and Charlie Moore was in there with KJ Lawson, David McCormick, Devon Dodson, and it really looked like KU was just going to kind of coast and get those bench guys some minutes and some confidence building minutes. But no, those guys let Baylor back into the game with a lot of offensive rebounds and turnovers. And that's how Baylor was able to make this, you know, at one point, I think it was a, a, a two score game and it stayed that way. And that's what the final was. But just the overall play was just frantic. And I think that this really showed the lack of a vocal leader in this game. When the wheels started to come off and Baylor was getting back into the game, Bill Self even had to go back and get the starters back in, I think when it was a 12-point game, and they even had to come in. And by that point, you've already kind of checked out. You do see it at times when teams get down by a lot and they start coming back and you've already taken out the starters. Sometimes the starters can just mentally check out. I mean, you saw it a couple days ago with UCLA and Oregon. Oregon was up by a ton, and then UCLA came roaring back and Oregon had to put in its starters, and they still couldn't cling on to the win. So in the second half, Baylor had 19 offensive rebounds. 19. That's more than they had defensive rebounds. They had 12. And to use Bill Self's words, he said KU got punked and beat down on the offensive glass and the glass as a whole in the game. Baylor had 49 rebounds to KU's 30. And I'll get into Diedrich Lawson's overall performance a little bit later, but I was really disappointed in the way that he rebounded the ball. He finished with three. And even then, Baylor still shot a terrible percentage from the field. They shot 16 of 47 in the second half. That's good for 34%. But they still got 47 shots up. And that's a product of those offensive rebounds. And also turnovers. I think that's a big thing too. I'll talk about it a little bit with Gerald Vick as well. But he didn't have very many turnovers. He didn't have any at half. And he started throwing the ball away as the senior. So overall, I think those final six minutes are something that you can kind of flush, but it also should be a little bit of cause for concern just going forward, not being able to close out games, especially when you've just absolutely beat down a team for the first 34 minutes. So I had some problems trying to figure out who my overall player of the game was. At first, I thought it would be the Gerald Vick with the way that he shot the ball from three. And then I thought maybe it'd be Diedrich Lawson with the way that he scored the ball efficiently and the way that he was active on the defensive end. But then I kind of concluded with Devon Dotson because I felt like overall he had the wire-to-wire best performance. Now granted, he did foul out with five fouls, but I thought that overall the way that he ran the offense going against the Baylor defense that was trying to throw as many different looks as KU as they could, trying to switch up between zone and man, I thought that he handled it really well, especially for another road game for KU. 
Dotson had 14 points on three of four shooting. Yeah, you heard that right. Three of four shooting. He took four shots and got 14 points. You've heard me on the podcast complain about Dotson going to the rim way too aggressively, almost rashly. And I thought that he did a really good job tonight of when he got to the rim of trying to draw contact if it wasn't one of the easy looks that he could get. And his only missed shot was one that I thought he was a little off balance and he just left it short. So Dotson got most of his points from the free throw line. He went 7 of 10, but he missed a pair down the stretch. I believe he was 7 of 8 before that from the free throw line. So a really solid performance from him there. It was a career high attempt from the free throw line. He also chipped in with five rebounds, a team high, five assists, and he only had three turnovers. So I thought overall a really solid performance from Dotson, especially on the road. I think that this is something that you could continue to see from him. Maybe not necessarily, you know, shooting the ball four times. I think you'd want him to shoot maybe a little bit more than that, but continuously getting to the line is going to be big especially if KU's not going to shoot the ball well from behind the arc. And of course, Dotson made a catch-and-shoot three to go one-of-one from behind the arc. And again, going forward, if KU's not going to shoot a high percentage from three, you'd want him to continue to get to the rim. I thought defensively, he did a really good job on Mason. Another point guard that he's gone against that has gotten a double-figure scoring but shot a terrible percentage. He went 3 of 12 from the field and 2 of 4 from 3. So overall, Devon Dotson, my player of the game, I thought it was a really solid performance. And Bill Self even said he's playing at a really high level right now. So going forward, as you kind of get into the, the heart of Big 12 play, Devon Dotson's play is going to continue to be crucial for KU. So moving on to the guy that I thought had probably the second best performance of the game, it was Legere Vic, and I've been very critical of Vic throughout this kind of struggle that he's had in the past three or four games. He's not been shooting the ball really well, and even since the Wofford game, but going into this game, when he had been benched, he was shooting under 30% from three. But you saw him bust out of that slump today on his birthday of all days, and at the 122 mark of the first half, he made a second three, and it got him to over 1,000 career points with KU. He's the 61st player to ever do that for KU. So it's a pretty hollowed company. I thought overall Vic played really well. His shot selection was awesome, I thought, for the first, again, for the first <laughs> 34 minutes, because down the stretch, I thought he was definitely one of the players that allowed KU to kind of let Baylor back into the game. He didn't have a turnover in the first half, and I need to look to make sure, but I thought he didn't even have a turnover through the first 10 minutes of the second half. But then he ends up with four. He throws possession away multiple times down the stretch, gives Baylor more offensive possessions, which they scored off of. So I really did think, again, the first 34 minutes of the game, I thought Vic played incredibly well. And it's it's amazing what happens when you take efficient shots from three. Vic only shot, if I am remembering correctly, all of his three-point shots that he made came where he was a catch-and-shoot, flat-footed, you know, wasn't doing the step-backs that you would see at times this season, wasn't doing a lot of the really the tough pull-ups that you saw early in the shot clock. It was a lot more of those efficient looks, and I really did like seeing that. And again, it's amazing what happens when you start shooting those more of efficient threes. 
He finished with team high 18 points, 6 of 10 shooting overall, and again, 6 of 8 from 3. He also had 3 rebounds, 2 assists, only 1 foul, team high 36 minutes. I think that this is one of the performances that if you were to say, KU is going to go deep in March and be successful in the Big 12, these are the sorts of performances that you want to see from LeGerald Vick going forward. So moving on to Diedrich Lawson, who I thought had a really interesting game, I guess, for Diedrich Lawson standards. Um, he had 17 points on 7-12 to 12 shooting, a really efficient night. But again, you saw him kind of struggle from the free throw line, went 3 of 6. He split a pair of free throws down the stretch, which left it to be that 5-point margin at the end. And I think that the biggest thing that I had a problem with with Lawson's performance was a three rebounds. He got out-rebounded by Quentin Grimes and Devon Dotson. Those are two guards that out-rebounded Lawson. And I think that that is something that can't happen again. You've seen him get 15 rebound games, 12 rebound games. I mean, he's been on just a tear getting double-doubles. And for him to get three rebounds in a game where Baylor got 19 offensive boards only in the second half, I think that that really does reflect on Lawson, and he needs to be more aggressive going forward. Especially if you're going to not let teams get back into games because offensive rebounds are a great way for teams to get putbacks and those easy looks. I mean, you see it. Deidre Lawson takes advantage of it all the time on the offensive end, getting those offensive boards where he's right under the rim and can just put it back up for an easy look. But I did think on the defensive end, he did play pretty well besides the rebounding. He had five blocks, five steals, a career-high five steals, I must add, and a season-high five blocks. So he was pretty close to going for the famous four-by-five where you get five points, five rebounds, either five assists, five steals, or five blocks and five steals. And I thought that looking at the box score, kind of around the 10-minute mark of the second half. I thought he had a good shot of it. I thought he could get the 4 by 5 and that would have been a really cool thing for him to get. But again, didn't rebound the ball well at all. And for him, that's just flat-out unacceptable, especially if KU's going to play in the small guard lineup. You can't have your other guards out-rebounding. You're one big that you have in the game. So then for the final outstanding performance, I would say, Ochai Abachi. I said on the podcast last week I'd be interested to see what his minutes looked like going on the road now in a road environment, but he, I would say, had the coolest head of just about anybody on the floor. He had a 10-point effort, 4 of 5 shooting, 1 of 2 from 3. He had 3 rebounds, only fouled twice, and I didn't even turn the ball over. As a freshman, he didn't even turn the ball over. Like I, I thought he played incredibly well. Bill Self, after the game, said he was the calmest player on the floor, kind of down the stretch. And I think that that going forward for him, it can't be understated how important it is that he has the cool head on the team because that's just going to get him more minutes. I mean, he outplayed Charlie Moore in minutes today. Charlie Moore had six minutes. That's it. And I think that Ochai's length and athleticism, I mean, you saw it. He caught another lob. On the defensive end, I thought he played really well. Um... I just overall, I just can't say enough great things about Abaji and the way that he's played so far this season. I think going forward, I think, I mean, he was the first player off the bench for KU today, and it wouldn't surprise me if at some point this season you saw him get up into that 26, 27 minute range, especially if someone were to have injuries. All right, so moving into the players that I thought 
didn't necessarily stand out. I think it's really just two of them. Um, before I get into the ones that I was really disappointed in, um, Marcus Garrett had a little bit of an injury scare in the second half, or maybe it was in the first half. I, I don't really recall, but he it looked like originally like he had bumped knees with someone, but then they showed the replay, and it was a non-contact injury. We never really got an update on the broadcast, and I didn't hear self mention it after the game. So I do think it was maybe just a minor tweak where you kind of feel something. Garrett had four assists. And that, I believe, is his ninth game this season where he's had three or more assists. And I wrote about it in the film room that I did for the VIP board a couple weeks ago. But I think that his passing going forward is going to be important. Again, especially if KU's not going to be you know, not shooting the ball well from three and not having those catch-and-shoot guys. Mark Scarrett's passing, you know, throwing lobs or just finding cutting guys is going to be really important. He also got three rebounds. I thought defensively he was solid again. He does a lot of things that really just don't show up on the box score. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, I think he had the team high plus minus. Yeah, he did. A team high plus minus of plus 23. And I know plus minus is not the perfect stat, but I do think that it can give an indication of how good or how bad a player is, especially if there is you know a 10-point differential between him and the next player, which you saw between him and Diedrich Lawson, who was a plus 13. So another guy that I thought gave KU some okay minutes, I thought Mitch Lightfoot played pretty well in the one span that he was in. He did take a blow to the face, and Bill Self said after the game that he needed to get stitches and it'll be tender going forward. But again, in three minutes, he had a block shot. He did get two fouls, but did get two rebounds. I thought that he was fine. And going forward, I'll be really interested to see what his minutes do look like if KU and Bill Self do go more for the KJ Lawson in those extra minutes, or if they're going to go to Lightfoot and Diedrich Lawson in at the same time. So moving on to him, KJ Lawson, I thought played, you know, I thought he was more or less invisible. And I, it should be said for Charlie Moore, KJ Lawson, and David McCormick, that the three of them I thought were, you know, not the, had the worst players on the floor. I mean, that's, there's no two ways about it. I mean, again, going back to the, the plus minus thing, David McCormick was minus 15. Charlie Moore was minus 14. Charlie Moore was on the floor for six minutes, and KU got outscored by 14. Same thing with David McCormick. On the floor for six minutes, outscored by 15. I think, I thought David McCormick would be able to step up a little bit more, and I've been, I can't say disappointed because he's going to be good going forward, and you know that he's going to be good. It just may not be this year. I thought that at this point in the season, maybe you'd see a little bit more development from him. But he really does just get so sped up when he's out there. You can see it. I mean, as soon as he got on the floor, Baylor put him in a pick and roll, and he gave the guard so much space that he just pulled up and made a. Th- he didn't make it a three, but he shot a three. And I think that it's not going to be the point where he's unplayable because there are going to be times this season where you're going to need his minutes. But I've been less than impressed with him so far this season. I thought Quentin Grimes was really invisible again today. Seven points on two of seven shooting, one of four from three. I really thought he had turned the corner. I thought after the Iowa State game, he was really aggressive early on against TCU. But I've just been really disappointed in the way that he played today. I, you know, one of four from three, he really did force things from outside. I remember one time specifically, he got the ball off of an offensive rebound at the top of the key instead of resetting and trying to get into a set and maybe get a better look. 
he just pulled up from three or four feet from behind the arc and just clanged it off the back of the rim. He was in there for 27 minutes. He did get six rebounds, which was a team high, and I thought that that was one area where he was solid, was the rebounding. But still, he's got to score the ball for him to be effective. And a part of me just does wonder if it's going to click for him from outside this season. It hasn't yet. I mean, you saw him start the season off so well against Michigan State, but then you do kind of wonder if his confidence just got shot after struggling for those next couple games, and now it's just going to be something that he's not going to be able to get back. I think for KU, going deep into March, I think it's going to be a lot like Malik Newman last year. I think if KU is going to go deep in March, they're going to need Quentin Grimes to step up and make shots. I mean, you saw it from the way that he shot the three ball in that game. You know, he shot the ball incredibly well, and you thought, okay, maybe he's turned the corner, and he just hasn't. And it's leaving you wanting more. And I think that he is going to be that. He's not the X factor on a game to game basis, but he's going to be the X factor in KU going deep in March. And I really do think that he needs to become maybe more of a slasher first instead of trying to be the outside shooter. Start trying to get inside, you know, get to the rim, see the ball go through the hoop, and then build out from there. I think that's what he did well against Iowa State was the way that he shot the ball from outside, but also was aggressive in getting to the rim. So looking forward, next up on the schedule is Texas. KU will face them Monday on the first big Monday of the season. They'll play in the second game of the day. Texas comes off of a loss against Texas Tech today. Texas Tech is 4-0 in the Big 12. KU is 3-1. So that's going to do it today for the Fog.net podcast. Stay tuned to Fog.net for all sorts of KU content for the Baylor game. Looking forward to the Texas game and post the Texas game as well. Between then, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain97. You can follow Scott Chasen on Twitter at Chasen Scott. And we'll talk to you after the Texas game.